BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Here we go. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Sharp Lessons Stadium. Sports betting podcast. He's the professor Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. You can follow us and our picks on Twitter at Stadium Bets. Uh, we post everything from our best bets to videos to previews of games to, to everything in between. So be sure to follow that and uh, rate and review the podcast. We'd love to hear back from people. So give us a rate, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And Nate, what a weekend it was. Uh, betting wise, not great. Entertainment wise, though, it was pretty fun. Yeah, it's probably one of the more entertaining NFL and college football weekends combined in a while. Definitely college football. I felt like the season was kind of lacking, like the that fantastic finish and big game maybe that was close. But we got several of those on Saturday with two early on in the day and then one at night that we'll get to later in the show. But as you mentioned, betting not so good. Took it on the chin. 0-4 with the best bets. <laughs> uh, we were just talking before the show, like none of the bets I really regret making – all the unders I had in college football, they were all like low-scoring starts of the game. Uh, LSU-Kentucky was 14 nothing at halftime. Felt good about that. Michigan-Nebraska was 3-3 or 3-0 middle of the second quarter. And then on Friday night, if you told me that Temple was only going to score three points, I would have definitely liked the under 54. Um, and that game yeah. goes 52-3 to final. And then Sunday, I think Sunday was the, the bet that I don't regret making, but I just have a bigger issue with Like, I don't want to complain about the college beats. Like, that's happens. Like, college football, there's sometimes crazy variants, especially in the second half when it comes to scoring. But really disappointed with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. Just, if you told me that they were going to hold the Cardinals and Kyler Murray to 17 points, I would have loved the chances of them to cover the five-and-a-half-point spread. They got I got the defensive performance I wanted from the 49ers, but offensively, 49ers, one of five on fourth down. There was a crucial swing play at the in the second quarter where the 49ers are down 7 nothing. They get stopped at the goal line after marching 93 yards, and it was on a fourth and one where, like, Trey Lance rolled out, and I think maybe they could have tried a, a little more of a creative play or at least a quarterback sneak or, or something else where he was running behind offensive linemen instead of trying to do work by himself. So they fail there. Cardinals marched down 96 yards, settled for a field goal to go up 10-0. But then in the fourth quarter, the, the two situations where they get the ball at around midfield and go th- four and out, they miss on both fourth down conversions, and that leads to a short field for the Cardinals. They score the touchdown. 49ers can only get a field goal. So really frustrating game, just that whole experience of the 49ers, a game that I felt like they still could have probably won, and they didn't even cover the – any of the numbers, I know at some places it got up to uh, plus six with the news that George Kittle was put on IR. So disappointing with the NFL, but 
there's been it's been a good season so far and have gotten my fair share of breaks. It just this week didn't work out, and I think they're just kind of balancing out. So not too disappointed. Looking forward to uh, moving on and looking at college football week seven and NFL week six. Yeah, we have uh, each had an over week now, so we have gotten those out of the way. Hopefully, no more throughout the season. So. Um, but just updating, yeah, updating the records for the show. Thir- I'm 13 and 10, uh, 57 percent, and you are 12 and 7 for a 63 percent win percentage. And as a show in total for our best bets, 25 and 17, a 60 percent winning percentage for the best bets on the show, Nate. So we're still doing pretty well. We're doing well. We're staying above 50. We're staying above 55%. 60% still a good win percentage. And historically, aka the last six weeks of betting, we have been shown to have our better weeks after bad weeks. So the zigzag theory kind of works for us too, it seems like. Yeah, hopefully uh, we bounce back. There was actually some NFL games that already kind of caught my eye for Ooh. this week. So um, I like still going to do some work on it. I think there might be one game I kind of hint at towards the end of the show. But that line is also moving, so I kind of want to wait a little bit because I think there's uh, better numbers to be had later in the week. Yeah, and we'll have our Monday Night Football preview, too, towards the uh, the end of the episode. But let's do our sweats of the week. And there was obviously lots of sweats going on. Um, but we, you highlighted two. I do want to add one more. Um, but Oklahoma, a sweat of the week. Yeah, so Oklahoma was minus three at close. There was minus three and a half in the week. It was basically a disaster start for Oklahoma. Oklahoma right off the bat, down fourteen nothing. They they're trailing thirty eight to twenty to Texas at halftime. Freshman quarterback Caleb Williams comes in the game for Spencer Rattler and provides a huge spark for the Sooners. Ends up leading them. They're, they end up going up seven mid fourth quarter. Kind of just a crazy way the game turned out classic big 12 shootout and late in the game it's tied oklahoma's the ball on texas 33 yard line with about like less than 10 seconds left kennedy brooks takes a direct snap for oklahoma and in that situation you're thinking texas will tackle them oklahoma will try a field goal and they'll push the closing number minus three Texas doesn't tackle him. He breaks away, scores a touchdown. Oklahoma wins by seven. So Oklahoma, truly a fortunate sweat of the week. If you had Oklahoma minus the points, especially with how that end game situation played out, but also middle of the game, you probably thought you were drawing dead when they failed to tackle a guy on the first play from scrimmage for Texas and then block punt. All of a sudden it's 14 nothing. You're probably thinking of ripping up your ticket at like 11 15. Central time, but Oklahoma comes back and covers in a very dramatic fashion. Yeah, that was a fun game. That was one of the all-time Red River showdown games, and they've had, you know, four or five really good ones in the past, like, decade or so. So that was a fun one to watch. The Arkansas Ole Miss game was a lot of fun to watch, and Ole Miss ended up winning that one by just one, 52-51, because Arkansas just uh, couldn't complete that two-point conversion. Yeah, I mentioned there was – Three crazy finishes. So Oklahoma, Texas, one of them. And then simultaneously it was Arkansas Ole Miss, a game that final score was 52 to 51. And we talked on the show Monday with kind of the big line moves in the opening bell segment, how the very first opener for that game on Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning, Las Vegas time was Ole Miss minus two. It got bet up immediately to as high as six and a half, kind of closed in that five, six area. 
for Ole Miss. So you have all these back-and-forth touchdowns, really crazy plays. And Arkansas, in the last play of regulation, scores a touchdown down seven to cover the number. And then they clinch the cover when Sam Pittman right away throws up two fingers. <laughs> One for two. Yeah, to win it you there. have to go for two. Yeah. And because of that, there was no chance of overtime and a chance that Ole Miss could win by six or maybe even seven or eight with the new overtime rules in college yeah. football. So that kind of, you know, if, if you had Arkansas plus the points, which ended up probably being the right side, like it would have been pretty unlucky, I think, if you would have lost that bet. Uh, yeah. That touchdown with one second left clinched it and then the decision to go for two. So Oklahoma and Arkansas backers were uh were wouldn't say luck wouldn't say lucky maybe Oklahoma was lucky but you were on the you were on the right side of two of the better finishes of this college football season and I would like to quickly like to quickly add Iowa to sweat of the week uh, because I I had it as my best bet and it was the one best bet this week of ours that won and listen I don't feel good about it I text you this I don't feel good about Iowa winning that game because Sean Clifford had to come out because of an injury. I, it's not a feel-good yeah. bet win, but it's a win, and I'll take a win. And I, I don't think Iowa wins that game if Sean Clifford plays, uh, but they ended up winning because that offense clearly didn't know how to not false start, and they couldn't move the ball because they didn't have their starting quarterback in, and that Iowa defense is really good against starting quarterbacks, let alone backup quarterbacks. So Iowa pulls out the win on the, the skin of their teeth, and I, I appreciate that they cover the one and a half and they get the win, but it doesn't feel good, Nate. Um, but I'll take the win. A win's a win. Yeah, I think that shows a lot of maturity out of you, Ben, that you won a game, but you're also not like doing a victory <laughs> lap about it. Like you realize that maybe you made a bad bet and you learned from it, but you got the result and you're not going to, you know, brag about it to people. You'll be like, you know, maybe you don't feel, yeah. feel great about winning that, but at the same time, there's going to be losses through the season where you make good bets. So yeah. it all balances out in the end. Uh, it's, it's good not to, you know, overly complain and, and maybe like the people you're around ruin their, their time watching football because you have, uh, you know, sour, sour uh, taste in your mouth. Yeah. And I'll, I'll remember that when I get a bad beat, I'll say, <laughs> you know what? This this was coming. This is what happens. I deserve it at this point. Um, we'll, we'll do our takeaways because it kind of leads into that, right? We had a great weekend of college football, probably one of the best college football Saturdays we've seen in, a, in quite some time. Um, and that was a lot of fun. The NFL Sunday was wild because there was some fun finishes. But, Nate, kickers uh, clearly don't know how to kick anymore, apparently. Missing extra points, missing field goals. I had the over in that Packers-Bengals game, and no one could make a damn field goal, so that was frustrating. But those missed kicks uh, are brutal, especially if you're betting totals. Yeah, seven missed extra points in the first hour of games. Uh, the first three oh. touchdowns scored in the in the Patriots-Texans game all had missed extra points. You had 12 mixed, missed extra points for the day all in the afternoon session. And then I, I wanted to expand a missed field goals because we could have just done missed extra points. But missed field goals, yeah. especially in that Packers-Bengals game, where in eight, oh. eight, yeah, eight minutes of game time, there were five field oh. goals missed. And I was actually following the game for V-CIN, our, our good friend Dave Ross's show, The Green yeah. Zone. And it was quite a game to follow and watch every snap of because it looked like the Packers were in control and then their offense kind of sputtered and their, their defense kind of got exposed with the Jair Alexander injury yeah. uh, towards the end of the game uh, with a long drive by the Bengals. 
But then Mason Crosby missed three field goals wide left. He missed one in overtime where the Packers decided to kick on third down. That was after, so weird. Yeah, after they had an interception of Burrow right away in overtime. I just thought the coaching was very questionable for Matt LaFleur in that decision, and he ended up making the game-winning field goal. But even that was a questionable decision because it was on fourth and inches with two minutes left. You miss that, you give the Bengals a great opportunity to drive down and get the game-winning field goal. So I thought Green Bay probably should have gone for it. You get it, and then maybe you settle for a field goal, but at least the Bengals won't have a chance to win the game. And then Zach Taylor, my goodness. Uh, (laughs) Not good. They're like – he kicked a 57-yard field goal with like 20 seconds left on fourth and short. And right after that, the Packers gained 20 yards to kick a field goal, and they could have won. And then in overtime, they have another fourth and short, and they settle for a 49-yard field goal instead of trying to go for it. I just thought the coaching in that game was, in in terms of like in-game management, was horrific from both coaches, just relying on your kicker. Crosby also missed, was one of the guys who missed an extra point in the uh, early window. So just missed kicks and how I think coaches need to realize that like field goals aren't givens anymore. They're just even extra points. Like if you're in a can't make a 33 yarder, you can't ask your kicker to make from over 50 yards when you have fourth and short. So just some really questionable coaching decisions in that game and the, in the, you know, with extra points, it, it really determines a lot in terms of the spread and the total. So I thought that was kind of the storyline of the NFL, even though there was some wild finishes uh, to the day, especially in some of the uh, the later game, uh, end game situations. And on top of that, too, I will say Brandon Staley is quickly becoming my favorite NFL coach. He did the complete opposite. He went for it on fourth down, I think, like three times in a row. He went for two in a situation where analytics would say you should probably go for two early in the first half. They ended up winning that game. He's going to have to fix that defense. But Brandon Staley, I think, is a coach I'm going to ride with betting-wise uh, for the foreseeable future because he he just does he, – he knows what to do. He goes for it on fourth downs. He's not afraid to go for two. He's not afraid to listen to the analytics. And that's just the guy I want to bet on because those teams generally over the long run will do well. Yeah, there was one thing he did do where it was kind of a mistake where they handed the ball off in the end of the game and the the Browns yes. basically carried the running back into the end zone because the only chance the Browns were going to have to win the game was if they got the ball back because the Chargers would have kicked a very short field goal, like 20 yards or something. But other than that, uh, we did when we previewed that game, I think I mentioned how like there was not going to there was going to be so many fourth down uh, attempts from, from yeah. both coaches with Kevin Stefanski, who kind of has the same mindset. And that game certainly disappointed, although and it wasn't a best bet, but I, I feel very, very dumb that I gave out or said I was going to bet that under a 47 uh, <laughs> Browns Chargers and the final score was, what, 47 to 47. They got so, 47 from one team, yeah. Yeah, at least I knew in, like, halftime that I was going to lose and, and you know, was able to enjoy that game. And I, I had some Browns, <laughs> Browns teasers, so they at least covered that, that for me. That was um, yeah, you mentioned the defense, especially the run defense, not good. But I, I would say the Browns rush offense, especially for limited Baker Mayfield, like that was always going to be their game plan, and that was going to be the strength of the Browns. So I wouldn't worry too much about the Chargers defense just because that was a really tough matchup for them. And even though they got shredded, uh, Justin Herbert continues to 
be amazing. And we kind of wonder why we didn't see that more of him when he was at the University of Oregon and uh, kind of how he was held back last year, but still was incredible as a rookie. So now he has a real coaching staff and uh, things are looking up for the Los Angeles Chargers with a good quarterback. And it looks like, as you mentioned, uh, one of the better coaches in football when it comes to making decisions and putting their team in the right position. Nate, let's do some opening bell. Looking quickly at some of these college football lines that we are going to be talking about all week long uh, and into Wednesday, too, where we may make some bets. We'll, we'll have to see how that goes, but certainly these are going to be the games we're looking at to bet on Friday, too, for our picks day. Um, Alabama, Mississippi State, the DraftKings look-ahead line for that game. Alabama was laying 21 points, and then when it opened up uh, at Circa on Sunday, that had gone down to Bama minus 15, and now that line has been bet back up. Tabama laying 17 and a half. Coming off the loss, and uh, it's the first loss that Nick Saban has had to a former assistant. It's the first loss in like 100 games that they've lost to an unranked team. I mean, it just broke a ton of records that Alabama had. So it made sense that line went down to 15. But I guess, Nate, the market still loves the tide against Mississippi State. Yeah, so that 21 number was before their loss A&M. It opens 15. Not a surprise that you're expecting Nick Saban off a loss against the Mississippi State team that yeah. isn't that good. But it's, it's weird because A&M lost to Mississippi State in College Station the week before as a touchdown favorite, and Alabama closed 19 against A&M. So at 15, that was definitely too cheap of a number on Mississippi State because I still think A&M is a better team than Mississippi State, even though they lost their head-to-head meeting. So Alabama makes sense. Sure, people are going to go back to the Alabama first half well after yeah, that's it didn't me. work I'm out. Do it. I, I, I was on Alabama first half. I was with some friends on Saturday night. We all bet Alabama plus money live, and we're feeling pretty good when they were up seven. Oh. No. So it was a That's it was rough. a wild game, and I guess I was my big takeaway was that was where was Zach Calzada against Arkansas? Where was that performance <laughs> from him? So just a weird situation, but that was another that we talked about the two games in sweats of the week being the great finishes, and then at night you having Alabama go down, um, especially doing a Texas A&M team that was not trending in the right direction, and that was completely unexpected. So. Uh, not too surprising to see Alabama take some money early on Sunday or Saturday or Sunday. Yes, yeah, Sunday because they they re- are released on Sunday afternoon in Vegas. Would imagine this line kind of you know maybe creeps back up, maybe maybe to twenty. It's I feel like you're going to get a really upset Nick Saban and he's going to want to oh yeah score as many points as possible and and suffocate the Mississippi de- State defense. This is going to be a well I think I go right back into. I think an upset Nick Saban, an Alabama off a loss against a yeah. okay Mississippi State team. Nate, give me first half. Give me total. Give me the uh, Alabama spread for the full game. Give me the Alabama team total over. Team total I, I may just hit honestly hit all of them because I am very excited to see an angry Nick Saban and a, and a just an upset Alabama team coming off a loss against not a great Mississippi State team. I love it. Yeah, and there's still a path for Alabama to make the college football playoff. You win out, you beat Georgia in the SC yeah. title game, you're in the playoff. So this is not yeah. the end of the world for Alabama. Uh, they're still a top two team in the country if you look at any like Vegas ratings or anything. So there's still a lot to play for and uh, feeling kind of bad for Mississippi State that they have to face Alabama oh, in yeah. this spot. 
Thoughts and prayers out to uh, to Mike Leach and company. Florida at LSU, uh, and this was this is an interesting game, right? Because DraftKings, the look ahead line was minus three and a half for Florida before the season started. Now it opened on Sunday. Florida laying eleven points, and that's been bet down to Florida minus nine. That LSU throw the kitchen sink and Coach O like coaching for his job that didn't pan out at all against Kentucky for LSU. Um, so I would lean towards Florida personally, especially if it's under 10. I like it under 10. Um, we'll see where that line moves throughout the week. But, Nate, I think Florida was, uh, is an early lean for me right now if it's under 10. Yeah, so the, the look-ahead line was actually going into last week uh, games. So maybe in the – I bet in the preseason, LSU may have been even a favorite in some of the games that you're lying. So really a big adjustment here with the Florida LSU game as it reopened 11 after LSU's 42 to 14 loss in a bad spot for Kentucky. And then Florida who lost to Kentucky two weeks ago, took care of Vanderbilt. I guess you have to kind of play the math game because Florida closed seven, seven and a half at Kentucky. I think LSU and Kentucky are about even teams. You probably give LSU a little bit of a bump for home field it isn't a night game at Death Valley, but it's still at LSU, and now the spread is nine. So it's a little bit rich if you want to back Florida. But at the same time, like this LSU program is is in it's on fire. A lot of it's issues. A, it's a dumpster fire. Yeah, and that's. I mean, I really wanted to bet against Kentucky last week. I, I did try to betting the under, but I just couldn't get around to betting LSU plus the points, even in an underdog role, even if I think they were the better team, just because I think there's just such a, a like a low floor for this program at the moment. And uh, I'm sure they were kind of off that Auburn loss, not in the best state of mind. And then they have this big game against Florida at home this week. So we'll see if we get an LSU's maybe their best effort. I feel like it kind of has to be, as you would say, the kitchen sink game for the Tigers. Uh, one total game we wanted to mention that we'll be looking at throughout the week. Ole Miss at Tennessee. That total opened on Sunday a whopping 85 and a half for yep. Ole Miss at Tennessee. And that has been bet down, understandably, to 79. Will it go yeah. lower, Nate? Do you see it going lower? Or is it going to go back right up to 80? I think he'll go back to 80 before it goes down, unless there's some like sort of weather thing or injury thing. But I mean, with both offenses, it's hard to make a case. For the under, yeah. other than, like, you know, the line that's too high. Like, 85 and a half, you're basically expecting both teams to contribute a combined, like, 11 touchdowns and a couple field goals. And that's extremely high because one, like, long drive that ends in no points or a field goal or a turnover kind of puts you behind the eight ball if you bet the over. But it basically, if I'm looking at my line tracking chart or what I was what I'm following, it took 13 minutes for this total to be bet from 85 and a half to 78 and a half. <laughs> and then there's, there's some over money. It got up to 81. Now it's back to 79 and a half. Oh my God. Uh, it's looks like a flat That's 79 crazy. Ole Miss, a three, a three and a half point favorite at Tennessee. Tennessee has improved quite a bit from the last few weeks or in their wins in the last few weeks. Look like a much more formidable team with their, their quarterback hooker and and obviously Ole Miss can fill up the fill up the scoreboard as we saw on Saturday against Arkansas. So we'll have to track this total throughout the week. But I just wanted to bring up how ridiculous it was that a total opened up 85 and a half, especially in a conference like the SEC. When you like think of like the SEC from a few years ago, it was a lot of like 
defense and running the ball. Like maybe in the Big 12 when it was like Baylor against Oklahoma State or Texas Tech, like 85 would make sense. Uh, or like at least close 85, but to open a number in an SEC game at 85 and a half just shows that's, what kind of uh, how times have changed and I guess maybe evolved for the better in terms of putting a good uh, entertaining product on the college football field. All right, so let's move on to the NFL because, Nate, we have three NFL games for week six right now uh, that have moved from their look-ahead lines. Uh, three games. Rams at the Giants is one of them. The Rams went from minus six and a half to minus ten and a half. The Cowboys at the Patriots with the Cowboys laying one and a half has now moved to the Cowboys minus four and a half. And the Seahawks at the Steelers where the Steelers have moved from a two and a half point underdog to a four and a half point favorite. Uh, over the Seahawks. So looking at those three games, what are some of the main reasons you have seen for these line movements? Yeah, so Rams-Giants, it's definitely injury-driven with the quarterback. Daniel Jones, we saw the scary scene in Dallas yesterday getting the concussion. Uh, We see a four-point line move, but it's not just Daniel Jones. It's Saquon Barkley suffering the ankle injury. Kennedy Galladay left the game early, and this is a team already down, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. So the the Giants' offense, very banged up. Rams having extra time to prepare because they played on Thursday, extra rest. Makes sense why we've seen a line move because I think the the downgrade from Daniel Jones to Mike Glennon isn't a lot, but it's at least, I would say, maybe two points. And then you add in the other injuries, and that would probably be a kind of a aggregate of, of three points. And we'll monitor those injuries throughout the week. We have an update on Wednesday to see where we might be looking with some of the injuries for the Giants. And then just skipping ahead, Seahawks, Steelers, that we've seen, we got the news. Russell Wilson went, uh, underwent surgery on his finger, so he will miss time. So we have seen a seven-point adjustment in the line. It's actually the Sunday night game between the Seahawks and Steelers. And if you factor in the Seahawks losing as underdogs to the Rams and the Steelers being the Broncos, it's probably like a six-point adjustment because you maybe downgrade the Seahawks off that performance a little bit and upgrade the Steelers. Smith, Geno Smith did look good in relief. The as I said, like there's probably like a six point adjustment from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith in the market. But I think now we're gonna learn how important Russell Wilson has been to this Seahawks team. A very flawed team in my opinion, in terms of how the roster is built, how it's sometimes coached, the defense being absolutely horrible this season. So I think the six point adjustment might seem right on paper, but at the same time maybe it's not even enough because Russell Wilson has covered up the Seahawks deficiencies for so long. Yeah, it's uh, the injuries were were a lot on Sunday. That was rough to, to watch. It was just team after team and big name after big name going down with injury. Yep, and then the last one, Cowboys, Patriots. Uh, it's in New England. Cowboys look good again, cover for the at least third straight home game as favorites. Patriots barely beat the Texans or what we expected to be a letdown for the for the Patriots because they were coming off that game against the Buccaneers. It's climbing. It's climbing. It was four this morning, three and a half. Now we're seeing some four and a half as we record this podcast. Feel like the Patriots at some point are going to be a side that I bet on. Let's just see how far this number goes, because even though the Patriots didn't look good, I didn't expect them to play well. Now they're back at home. Cowboys haven't been on the road since week two. I'll have to check on some like Dak Prescott home and away splits. But I know the typically Dallas's offense when he's the quarterback plays a lot better when they are at home. If you mix in some weather, I, I see like this game could be similar to 
the game in week four when the Patriots hosted the Buccaneers, where it's kind of an ugly game, and Bill Belichick figures out uh, how enough to outcoach Mike McCarthy and least cover probably what's going to be end up being an inflated number if you're kind of looking at the early week line movement. Well, it doesn't take a lot to outcoach Mike McCarthy, I will say that. So at least the Patriots have that going for them. Uh, let's, though, Nate, to close out the show, take a look at the Monday Night Football game because we have the Colts at the Ravens with the Ravens laying seven. And that total, which opened at 49.5, has now been bet down to 46.5. I have the Ravens in a teaser, and I know you do too. I, I teased them down to minus one. Um, which I, I'm still pretty confident in. I think they should win this game against the Colts. Um, but that seven's a high number, but I am leaning towards the under. Um, and I think, especially with the way this Colts offense has been up and down, I don't know how much you can really trust them. The Ravens defense, which has shown to be pretty solid in the last couple of weeks, they had a rough start to the season, but they've really kind of found their middle ground. And I know they haven't played the greatest of offenses, but I don't really consider the Colts one of the greatest offenses. So I think you can keep them pretty low scoring and the Ravens have been up and down offensively too. And they have their moments where you're just sitting there shaking your head. Like what, what are you calling? Like what, what is this play that you're calling? Why are you doing this? And they have those moments at home too. So I, I like the under at 46 and a half. I don't know how much lower I would go with it when it would bet, but I think that's a lean for me along with that Ravens teaser. So the way I'm going to bet it, as you mentioned, some Ravens teasers I have with the, the Cowboys and Browns from Sunday. So what I'm going to do is take, you know, let that ride have basically the Ravens to win the game. But I'm also going to bet the Colts plus seven and just kind of root for a Ravens minus one or a Ravens one to six point win because I really don't have much of an opinion on this game. I think that the Ravens have been, you know, I guess impressive this season. They're three and one. And just when you think about it, they've had so many injuries before the season and, and during the season. And they've also had a lot of travel. They went out to Vegas for week one. They come back home, have that dramatic win against the Chiefs. Then they go on the road to play the Lions. And then they go back on the road and play at the Denver Broncos. So another travel of two time zones or or more. So I'm just kind of been – the Ravens have probably exceeded expectations based on the obstacles that they've had to overcome. But at the same time, this feels like a game the Colts in the past have performed well in as underdogs under Frank Reich, a coach who I I respect. And I'm not a huge on Carson Wentz, but if you think this game's going to be low scoring, I, I wouldn't be laying seven with the Baltimore Ravens here. And we saw two years ago the Colts went out of Kansas City on a Sunday night and played Patrick Mahomes, who was red hot at the time and pulled off a shocking upset. So I think the Ravens may be a little bit vulnerable here, and that's why I kind of am protecting my Ravens teasers with a plus seven bet on the Indianapolis Colts. But other than that, not going to like, if you're not invested right now, I wouldn't say bet the Colts unless you have some the Ravens teasers or carried over money line parlays, um, as this game's more of just kind of a, a watch and learn uh, and see if there's anything I can take forward with these teams. I know that the Ravens have a big game next week against the Chargers on a Sunday afternoon. And the Colts, who've had a very tough schedule, having to play the Seahawks and then the Rams and then at the Titans and then winning it at the Dolphins. Uh, and then now this game, their schedule definitely lets up as they host the Texans. So maybe the Colts, even if they lose this game, can maybe make a, a quiet run at the division because the Titans have flaws and their schedule is very tough coming up with the 
Bills and Chiefs the next two weeks. Uh, so the Colts, even if they lose this game, they're very much not out of the AFC South picture, especially with that 17th game. Yeah, it's it's certainly a game I could see the Colts at least pushing the Ravens. It would it would be surprising for them to win. I think for me, just just seeing how well the Ravens have played, and you know, I've called them the the quote unquote team of destiny uh, in the past <laughs> couple of weeks, just because they've they found ways to win, and seemingly stuff is going really well for them. So. I don't know if that's going to continue. I certainly wouldn't literally bet on that to continue, but it does seem, Nate, that this is kind of one of those seasons for the Ravens where things just go their way. And teams have that every so often during seasons where it's just things break their way and and they have success through it and and they hopefully play off of it. And it seems like that's what's been happening to the Ravens, game-winning field goals and good drives at the end of games and just getting lucky with things like that. So, for that reason is a reason I'm pretty confident in that minus one for the Ravens teaser. Um, but the Colts have, sh- they've slowly but surely looked better as the season has gone on. Um, I'm not saying they look good as a team. You know, their, their, their record certainly shows that they're not a great football team, but they have, they have been getting slightly better as the weeks have gone on. So that, I think that plus seven look might be, Especially if I like the under, I think that plus seven look might be good, too. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't blame you if you decided to tune in to some baseball tonight, too, with a <laughs> big game four between the Rays and Red Sox at Fenway. And then uh, a series that's kind of fascinating to me, Giants-Dodgers, the series shifts to Dodger Stadium. So there's some good uh, good baseball tonight, too, if this game isn't uh, exactly what if you're looking forward to it or if the game isn't uh, competitive. So I guess that'll do it for us for this episode. We'll be back on Wednesday uh, looking more in-depth at some of these games we're going to be picking this weekend. I'm pretty excited. I think the board's good. Starting to get a good read on the board, Nate, which is always a, a good sign as the week goes on. But we'll be back on Wednesday. Good luck to everyone on Monday Night Football. And we'll see you back here on Wednesday. Wednesday.